Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. really is an honor. Radiant Church is my home away from home. I've had the privilege of preaching here now three or, or four times, and every time I'm here, I, I absolutely love it. This church, you need to know, has meant so much to my life and so much to our ministry. I pastor a church in Orlando, Florida called Journey Church, and from the beginning, we have just been, it really is Radiant Church's 11th campus, it's really what it is. Uh, we learn so much from y'all, and your pastor has been a friend and a mentor to me. I call him a friend tour. He's just the best. Um, I love how he leads not just this house, you need to know. He also helps lead houses all over, churches all over uh, the nation. He's one of our overseers at our church. And so, and I love to think that our church is special, that he just kind of liked me more than other people. But unfortunately, he does it for a lot of people. He does it for a ton of people. I mean, fortunately, the, the kingdom is better because he does it. <laughs> uh, but I don't feel it's special. But anyway, uh, so grateful. So he's got all those campuses. And on top of that, just being an amazing dad, really the 12th campus is called the Burke Campus. This is all them five kids that he got. That's his other campus that he leads and uh, just does it so well. And so if you love your pastor, if you love Pastor Katie, would you do me a favor one more time? Put your hands together. Come on, honor your leaders, your pastors. Amen. We love them. Amen. And I want to introduce you to my family really quickly. I have a picture of them up on the screen. And uh, this is Liz, Justice, and Zane, uh, my wife, uh, Liz, she's actually preaching at our home church right now as I'm preaching here, which is really cool. I'll have to watch the replay and tell her she did great, no matter how she did. Uh, and uh, I know she did really well. And uh, so this is my family. I don't know, it feels weird bringing pictures of my family now that I'm here every year. Uh, this is the same family I had last year. Um, but you know, in today's world, I guess that ought to be celebrated. I got the same family, y'all. Hey, I did it. <laughs> One time, make it another year. Amen. Are you ready to get into the Word of God today? Amen. Well, I'm ready to preach. I like this section right here. I'm going to just stay right here. And, uh, and so, uh, listen, I, I gave you a picture of my family, and I want to give you a picture, a little bit of our church family. Our church this year has been in a vision uh, called uh, Pray First. We got these little wristbands. We got it from some idea from some church you might know of. Um, but uh, we, we love it. And uh, I've been preaching on, uh, on, on prayer every week this year, pretty much. And I want to share with you something that has really stirred my faith because prayer has really shaped me. Um, I really believe, and I could be extreme, you know preachers, we exaggerate, but I think, I think, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say, if you get prayer, y'all, you can, if you can figure out how to pray, because there's a saying, you know, give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Teach him the fish, he'll eat for the rest of his life. If you can figure out how to pray, and it's not complicated, it's hard, but it's simple. But if you can figure it out, you can solve, I mean this, 95% of the problems you face in life. If you get prayer, it's the truth, man. The other 5%, you're going to need therapy. You're going to need maybe a diet, maybe a coach, or a life coach, something like that. But 95% of your problems, man, can be solved with prayer. And it's going to sound like the ultimate contradiction. Because in the same breath, I will tell you this, that while I have seen the power of prayer builds people's faith, listen, I have also seen the pain of unanswered prayer break down people's faith. I wonder if there's anybody in church today who has ever asked for a miracle that God did not provide, ever asked for a person that God did not bring, ever asked God for a healing that did not happen 
happen. If that's you and you've ever experienced an unanswered prayer, would you just raise your hand? Really, I just need to know that we're preaching to the right people. Amen. If you don't have your hand raised, you either don't like to participate or you are the best prayer person in the entire universe of prayer people and you need to be preaching because I'll tell you what, I have experienced it and that's what this message is about today. I want to help you navigate what it's like to experience those moments with God where your faith is attacked, where you're feeling like uh, maybe you want to deconstruct a little bit because God in the Bible said one thing and when I did it and applied it, it didn't happen in my life. I want to help you in the area where most people put Jesus down and that is the place of unanswered prayers. And uh, I think the challenge is that when we experience an unanswered prayer, we usually come to two conclusions and both are false, but they feel real and they feel true. And the first conclusion is, well, if I'm praying and I'm not getting what I prayed for, then prayer must not work. I get that. And the second conclusion is even worse than the first. Well, if prayer does work and it's not happening, then maybe this is the one that hits, I think, hurts heaven. God is not good. Because if he was good, he would do what I need him to do in my life. And I can understand why you would arrive at that conclusion. I love to eat out. And if you were to ever go to a restaurant and the waiter would have come and asked you what you wanted to eat, and you would have said, steak, I'd like steak, please. And they go and they come back with tofu. That's not what I asked for. That's a bad waiter. And that's a bad restaurant. No Yelp review for that restaurant right there, okay? That's not working, why? Because I asked for one thing and I got another thing, so that's not good. But the only place where that metaphor breaks down in the context of God and the restaurant is that you paid to be at the restaurant, but you didn't pay for God. In fact, God was the one who paid for you through the blood and sacrifice of his son Jesus, which is really a foundation of prayer. Because if you want to get prayer in the right context, you have to first understand that prayer is not there to serve you. That you are there to serve God. The other conclusion could possibly be, like I said, that prayer does not work. But I wonder, is it that prayer is not, does not work or is it that you're trying to use it in a way it's not designed to be used? This is my pulpit right here. This is my microphone. I would be remiss if I get the design of the two confused. If I began to preach into my pulpit, we would have a problem. Testing, <laughs> testing, sound guy, fire the sound guy. The, the pulpit's not working. That's not what the pulpit was designed to do. If I was supposed to use my mic like a pulpit and just, it don't work. Yeah, hello? No, it's not, it's not working. It's not dropped. That, fix this real quick. I, I'm going to just leave it there. The pulpit is broken. Um, and I did that and I'm sorry. <laughs> right? Now, my mic is functional and my pulpit is functional. I was just trying to use them in ways they were not designed to be used. I wonder if prayer, your issue with it, is that you're using it in a way that it was not designed to be used. Which let me just enlighten you really quickly. Prayer was not designed to give you everything you want. I know that's a mind blown for some people. Prayer is designed to give you everything you need. Prayer is not designed for you to accomplish your will for your life. Prayer is designed for God to accomplish his will in your life. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 138, verse 8, the Lord will work out his plans. Someone say his plans for my life. His plans, my life. We don't like that. We like my plans for my life. That's what I want to do. I want to do my plans for my life. It's easy to preach. He got plans for me, but I like my plans because I'm going to hold his plans. I'm going to take my plans. And I just want to encourage you today. I don't know how crude I could be. I know Pastor Aaron, he's pretty blunt. And so I'm going to just say it. Listen, your plan compared to God's plan, this is as, as vulgar as I'm going to get all day. It sucks. Yeah. Yep. 
Your plan compared to the plan of God, I promise, is better than what you can ever think, dream up, or imagine. I experienced this with my wife one time, and I need you to know while she's preaching that she's already given me permission to share this story. Because it's not going to make her look good. But she said I could share it for the gospel. And then secondly, you also need to know that she is not today who she was in this story. Jesus did a work on her. Amen. We used to be internship directors, and we took some 15 students to New York City uh, as a part of a ministry trip. And uh, I was from New York, born and raised in Brooklyn. And so I, I set up the itinerary. You know, I was like, we're going to do all the things. We're going to see all the things. It's going to be great. And so we got off the train, and we started to walk down uh, Fifth Ave. And the first thing we popped up was a Macy's, you know, three stories and, and all that. And my wife, she, this is something I found out about my wife. She wasn't my wife at the time. She was my girlfriend. It's important to pay attention to the signs, y'all, all right, when y'all date. That you pick up on some things, okay? And so this was something I knew that she had in her life and I was willing to live with. But my wife, I found out that day she loved shopping. <laughs> Turns out it's her hobby. I didn't even know it could be a hobby. Hobby for me is like woodwork, you know? Like <laughs> you put together toy trains, you know? No, my wife. See, anybody else like that? Like you enjoy shopping's like a hobby? Yeah, see, I wouldn't call it that, I, like a sickness, uh, an addiction. But hey, hobby, if hobby works for you and you feel no judgment, keep rolling with the hobby. It's a hobby. Um, like an expensive one, uh, but so is golf. Come on, fellas. Anyway, um, and so, yeah, I, I already lost some people right there. Don't come, don't, don't come for my golf, man. Uh, and so, and so I, I, I told her, I said, listen, I don't think it's a good idea because what I knew was she was going to go inside that Macy's, it's three stories, and the whole time that we have scheduled for New York, she's going to spend in Macy's. And so I told her, I was like, no, let's not go. And I didn't really let her know the itinerary because I wanted it to be a surprise. I wanted her to, for her to enjoy this trip. And, and I, I was, she didn't know, even she was arguing with me because it really started to turn into an argument, which is really awkward because we're both leading the internship. And now you got these 15 kids looking at mom and dad fighting and we're arguing. And not only did she argue with me, y'all, as I'm walking away, she actually begins to incite a rebellion. As I'm walking down the street, I begin to hear this chant come up from behind me. It started to go like, it said, shopping, 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 shopping. I look back, and there's a straight-up revolt taking place. I look back at all them rebels, and I was like, no. <laughs> and I said, no, and we kept going. And, and my wife learned something about me that day. <laughs> and, uh, and, as, and as we kept going, and I wasn't trying to be mean, okay, what they didn't know was that I had scheduled a bunch of sites for them to see. I had scheduled for them to see the Empire State Building, for them to see Ground Zero, for them to see the Statue of Liberty, and all these things. And on top of that, my wife didn't know, but I knew she liked shopping. And so I put shopping in the itinerary, but I put it at the end when we have more time versus at the beginning. And I also put it in the spots that had the same thing that Macy's was selling, but at better prices. Come on, somebody. And if you ever shopped in New York, you know, it's not just the better prices, it's the bootleg stuff too. Come on. I was going to take her to get some Tommy Hilfinger. I was going to take her to get some Louis Vuitton, okay? She was going to find it all. You can't tell. It's good. Illegal, don't do it, but it was good. It looks good. So I, what, am I, what am I trying to say? There were things I wanted her to see. There were gifts that I had prepared, but her plan was about to get in the way of the best plan. Come on, somebody. God has got places he wants to take you, things he wants you to see. He's got gifts that are prepared, and the only thing that can stop his plan, not the devil, not sin, not wickedness. The only thing that can stop his plan is your plan. So you got to decide which one you're going to follow. And his plan is better. Here's my whole message for you in a sentence, and I'm going to get you my title. And I know I got into my title 12 minutes after I started preaching, but 
I promise we'll get you out in time. Here's my, my sermon in a sentence, then I'll give you my title. God's no is better than his yes because his no is actually a better yes. It's a better yes. I know that theologically this might not sound well, what I'm about to say, but before you email me or question mark divinity credentials, okay, let me, just, let me just say this and then I'll explain it. I don't know that God ever says no when you pray. Hold on, wait, wait for, this, wait for the end. Because when he says no, it's actually, he knows what you're really asking for and he wants to give you the best version of that in the next season. Are you here with me? So I wanted to title this message when God says no, but then God said no. He gave me a better title because he wanted you to focus not on what he took away, but what's on the way. So here's the title of my message and we'll get through our points quickly. I want to speak today on the topic, a better yes. Not no, a better yes, a better yes. When God says no to the boyfriend, it's because he got a better husband. Huh? Come on, single people. We better shout to the Lord. When God says no to the promotion, it's because he got a better position. When God says no to the house sale, because it's wild to buy a house right now with them interest rates and you got five people bidding wars. They need this. That needs to be the next reality show, bidding wars. And, uh, and it's hard, man, to get a house. But listen, if, you, if your dream house fell through, are you ready? Let me give you peace. It's because God got a better house in a better school district with better lending terms and better neighbors. Come on, somebody. You had no idea the neighbors at that first house were crazy. They were going to drive you crazy, but God knew. He said, you don't want this one. You haven't met the neighbors yet. I'm saving you when I say no. God knows what's best, and we got to trust him. The Apostle Paul learned this on one of his missions trips. To be a missionary is to preach the gospel to other countries. And Paul is preaching the gospel in other countries. In Acts chapter 16, verse 6, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. This is crazy to me because God did not keep them from dealing drugs. God did not keep them from cheating on their spouses. God did not keep them from stealing money. The Bible says that the Lord actually kept them from preaching the gospel. That makes no sense. Didn't Jesus die to preach the gospel? This is not my next point, but if you write this down, this might help you later on in life. Sometimes no makes no sense. I don't understand why God wouldn't want my wife to be healed. That makes no sense. I don't understand why God would not want me to get out of debt. That makes no sense. I don't understand why God would want me to be single forever. That makes no sense. And in life, when you pray for something and it doesn't go down like you wanted it to, here's your first reaction. I know. I'm not, I'm not in your mind, but I know because I've been there. You begin to look to the Lord and you go, why? Why, God? Why? I don't understand. If you could just tell me why, I'll be good. Here's what I know about the Lord. He's not going to answer you. Why is not an answer you get in this life? Why is the answer you get in the next life? But in this life, you don't always get the why. And the reason why is because, here's my first point, there's a better question. There's a better question than why. Let's go back to Paul. Acts chapter 16, verse 6 through 7. Paul didn't need to know why because he had another question that was answered, and he was good with that. 
having been kept by the who? Holy Spirit. Come on now, church. Having been kept by the who? Holy Spirit. Come on at all of our campuses. By the who? Holy Spirit. From preaching the spirit of who? The spirit of who? would not allow them to. Are you ready? Paul did not need to know why because he got the answer to the question, who? And once he knew that it was the Lord who closed the door, he was so chill because even though he couldn't trust the circumstances around him, he could trust the God within him. I wrote it like this. You need to write this down. The only one who can say no, this is what Paul knew, is God. You really need this. The only one who can say no is God. Because if you get this, here's ready, this will keep you from being mad at the wrong people. This will keep you from being mad at the coach that didn't draft you. This will keep you from being mad at the client that wouldn't hire you. This will keep you from being mad at the partner that didn't pick you. This will keep you from being mad at the friend who wouldn't stay with you if if, it, if a no was what happened in your life, then that no came from God, and you can rest in that and ready, and now you don't, don't got to be worried about missing God's will or about someone else messing up God's will. You ever been in that situation? Like, you're about to mess up the will of God. You better say yes to this proposal. You're going to ruin your whole future. You're with me. God told me. You don't got to worry. Why? Because if it didn't happen... It wasn't the will of God because when God wills something, no one can stop it. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, here are the words of Jesus who holds the key of David. Come on, someone. No one can shut what he opens. I love that. Can we just take a praise break right there and give God praise to know that there is no devil, there is no demon, there is no institution, there is no government, there is no president, there is no invasion, there is no war, there is no virus, there is no nuclear missile, there is no weapon, there is no politician, there is no sin, there is no shame that can keep you outside of the will of God. If God said it, it's going to happen. If he declared it, he's going to do it. You can't get in my way. No matter if they think you're too old, too too young, too Latino, too loud. I'm sorry. God made me this way. And I appreciate Pastor Aaron, but he didn't invite me here. God opened the door here. And so if he opened the door here, I step in, be myself, and God will accomplish what he wants to do as I'm being me. Well, they might not invite him back if he gets a little too Pentecostal. Then God closed that door. It wasn't me. It was God that I can rest in that. Knowing that I'm supposed to be in every room I'm supposed to be in, and I'm not in any room I'm not supposed to be in. Amen? Amen. Keep that same energy. Because you're about to finish the verse. <laughs> Always finish the verse. Because you don't want half doctrine. Half truth is a lie. So we got to finish this verse now. And I hope you are as excited as you were 13 seconds ago. Revelations 3, 7, here are the words of Jesus who hold the key of David. No one can shut what he opens. End. Oh, man. There he goes. I had to mess up my energy. <laughs> and what he shuts, no one can open. When I say yes, it's yes. But when I say no, what happened to the hallelujahs? What happened in the prayer? I'm just saying because it makes sense that you would praise in that moment because if he said yes, it was for your good and his glory. Amen. 
And if he said no, it was for your good and his glory. So you know what, Lord? Thank you for the open door and thank you for the closed door. Lord, thank you for the people who stood in my life and helped me get stronger. And you know what? I don't think I ever praised God for this before, but thank you for the people that bounced. I didn't need them in my life. They were going to hold me back. They weren't going to let me be who God called me to be. Thank you for the breakup. Thank you for the ending. Thank you for the takeaway. I thank you for it all. I thank you for giving me the job, and I thank you for helping my business fail. Why? Because that business was becoming my idol. It was becoming my God, and I didn't know it until you took it away, and my identity went with it. Thank you, Lord for saving me by not saving me. Did you know God can save you by not saving you? That's why my second point is, if God says no to you, it's probably because there's a better way. There's a better way. I want to honor the time. I'm going to summarize some of the scripture that I'm going to talk to you about today so that I can get to what I really want to say. And I want to be talking about the story of, of David. And, uh, and David is a, a pivotal fig- figure in the scriptures, and, and he's about to, well, he had already committed a bad sin. Uh, he slept with a, a dude who wasn't, uh, he, well, he slept with a wife. Let me be real. <laughs> he slept with a wife of another dude. That's what to be. Nah, I'm really not getting invited back. And, uh, <laughs> and the wife's name was Bathsheba. And the dude, here's what I meant to say, the dude was actually his best friend. Oh. A lot of people don't know that. I know, it's like a novella. It's like <laughs> Jerry Springer up in the Bible, okay? If y'all don't, I'm trying to have references that you might know. Um, if you're a teenager, I ran out. I don't know. It's like Real Housewives. Uh, yeah, and so anyway, so the Bible's great, by the way. If you read it, a lot of cool stuff in it. Oh, yeah. yeah, if you think the Bible's boring, you're boring. You're not reading it right. You're not reading it right. So it was going pretty crazy, and then they had, he had, they had this kid, and this kid is, is his kid, but it, it, that woman was not his woman. And, and now the kid is, is dying, and David prays for the child to be healed and restored, and God says no. And the child passes away, which, if you're just an observer to the story, seems unfair because the child didn't do anything. But we don't get to live in a world where our choices don't affect other people. It wasn't your fault that your father was an alcoholic, but you had to carry that trauma your whole life for a choice that someone else made. Sometimes sometimes we want the Bible to operate in a world that the world doesn't operate in. And then we point it on God like, you're messed up. Like, no, that's life. And Christ came to adjust it, but that's life. So the son passes away, and uh, David continues to worship the Lord. And the Bible says in the next verse, after the son passes away, that Bathsheba got pregnant again, and the son that was born, his name was Solomon. Now, I love this because Solomon is the wisest king in all of scripture, one of the wealthiest leaders of government in all of human history. He becomes the ancestor to the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and all because God said no, which ended up not being a no, but actually a better Yes. Now, Solomon was good for two reasons. I think people become who they are because of nature and nurture. I used to think if you're just a great parent, you're going to make good kids all the time. But then I had kids. <laughs> and i like, that ain't my fault. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did good. That, you crazy. That ain't my fault. I'm telling you, if you have a kid and he starts hopping out the crib, just, just, just pray for that boy right there because... <laughs> 
He's going to need extra attention as he grows up, I promise you. So it's a combination of nature and nurture. So there's no doubt that God put some godly DNA up in Solomon for sure. But I also think that David had a change of heart and philosophy when it came to parenting. And my biblical basis for that is the way he raised two others of his sons named Amnon and Absalom. He didn't punish Amnon when he slept with his sister. And he didn't even talk to Absalom when Absalom killed the brother who slept with his sister. He just exiled him and left him. So now we have a parent who won't discipline and we have an absent parent. But then, then, then the unnamed child from Bathsheba passes away, and all of a sudden, the next child, Solomon, becomes this. And I have to think that his parenting philosophy began to change. Listen, because I've lost a child. Yeah. And when you lose a child, it changes the way you see the ones you have. Yes. Parenting becomes your ultimate ministry if it wasn't before. And I think something shifted in David. And, and he became the parent that Solomon would need to become the person that God needed Solomon to be. But he would have never done that if God hadn't said no. Hmm? I wrote it like this if you're taking notes. Listen. Sometimes God will never let you down, but he will sometimes let you fail. Because there's a lesson that he's trying to teach you in the failure. There have been times in my life when I made mistakes and God has saved me from most of them. Most of them. The consequences that I was supposed to experience because of my mistake, his grace came in. Is there anybody at church today who, like, you deserved a consequence and somehow God's grace came in and just rescued you from that? And you're like, boom. Yeah, I'm glad I have some people to testify with me. But there have been other times where I have said, Lord, I'm so sorry I made a mistake. If you could just save me from this moment. And God said, nope. Nope. Because you need to learn the lesson of this failure or you will repeat the same failure. So I'm going to teach you there's a better way. There's a better way. So I got to pull back so you can see the better way. I remember being a kid trying to take tests that I didn't study for. But your boy was a Christian. So they would put that little scantron in front of me. Little fill in the blank, you know, circles, A, B, C, D. And right before that test would come over, Father God. First time I ever spoke in tongues was a midterm <laughs> in my class of Lord Jesus. <laughs> I was like, Lord, if you could just give me the answers, Lord God. Just give me the answers. Yeah, I know you'd be so good, Lord. And I would just write down in faith, you know, B for the blood. <laughs> C for Christ. Stay away from D. That's the devil. Stay away from D. El Diablo. Okay, no D. I would draw crosses on my skin. <laughs> Little Bible verses at the end. And God said, no, don't be praying to pass tests you didn't study for. Why? Because better than an A, God would rather give you not, not, not just the, the answers to help you pass your math test, but the lessons to help pass life's test. You might pass this test, but if you don't learn the lesson of preparation and you don't learn the lesson of hard work, then you're not going to pass the test of life that is going to come when you graduate school. So I'm going to let you fail this test so you can pass in life. Sometimes we'll ask the Lord to change that family. Lord, will you change that family member? I need you to change it. I want this, I want this family to be restored. I want the relationship with my dad to be restored. I want the relationship with my kids to be restored. I want the relationship with my siblings to be restored. And God, and will you just, if you just change them, Lord, we can finally have a relationship. And God says, no, I got one better. How about I change you? And I'm going to keep them stubborn so you have to change in order to have a relationship with them. 
so that if you change, you can not only help that relationship, but the relationship with your kids, the relationship with your spouse, the relationship with your neighbors, the relationship with your coworkers. Sometimes we'll ask the Lord, Lord, would you please get rid of this anxiety? I got this anxiety. Get rid of this anxiety in my life, Lord. Just give me peace. And God says, no, I'm not going to get rid of the anxiety because the anxiety is there because you're living a double life. You got a second life. You're doing things on the computer. You got things behind you. So I'm going to let the anxiety, ready, drive you to integrity. I'm going to get you to the point in your anxiety that you're going to finally have to sit your wife down at the table and be like, hey, this is what's been going on. This is what I've been, I can't wrestle with the duplicity any longer. I can't wrestle with the anxiety anymore. And the intimacy you've been praying for is going to come through God not answering the prayer for peace and the anxiety because the peace he wants to give you is not a temporary emotional peace, but an eternal spiritual peace that only comes when you're living in integrity and honesty. Sometimes God will save you by not saving you. Amen? And here's the last thing God will say. He'll say, I'm better. I'm better. I know you've been asking for that, and I said no, but the reason why I said no is because I had a better yes, and the better yes is me. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 and 8. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, to keep me from, from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Three different times. I love the word given. I love the fact that it says three times because given is already flipping my mentality. Given a thorn, you never, you give presents. You give chocolate. You give kisses. You don't give punches. You don't give kicks. You don't give those things. But Paul is asking us to look at the no as a gift. I was given scoliosis. I was given a special needs child. I was given ADHD. I was given this, this battle with my mental health. I was given it. How, why, how could it be a gift, Lord? And, and I love the fact that he's begging the Lord to take it away. I just wonder if I can take a pause here and say, what is your thorn? And we all have them, by the way. So don't be talking about I ain't got no thorns. Let me help you find it. Ready? It's the thing in your life that is big enough to cause pain, but small enough to hide. What is that thing? What is that thing that if God took it away, you, you could be a better dad? That if God took it away, you could be a better wife? That if God took it away, you could be a better business owner? That if God took it away, you'd be a better neighbor? If God took it away, you'd be a better Christian? If God took it away, I could be a better pastor, better preacher? What's yours? I know mine. He asked the Lord, take it away, Lord. And at the beginning of the sermon, I said, why wouldn't God want to give us something that's good? Here's another theological conundrum. Why wouldn't God want to take away something that's bad? Just take it away, God. I could be better. I could be better. If you would just do that, do that. And God says, no. Or does he? Verse 9. Look at the Lord's answer. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. You know what's crazy about that whole passage? Did you see it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knight you theologians today, okay, because I want you to think like a theologian. When you look at a passage of Scripture, don't just read what's in it. Read what's not in it. What two-letter word was not in any of those verses we just read? Not once did he, God, take the thorn away. God didn't go, no, I'm not. Because God didn't want you to focus on what he was taking away. He wanted you to focus what was on the way. He didn't want you to focus on what he withheld. He wanted you to focus on the hand that was holding you. 
here's what he said. He goes, I got a better yes. Me. Because this is going to hurt some people. My job as a preacher, not to hurt you, but I'm going to speak truth. Some of us will ask God for something in our life. Let's just call it X. Whatever it is, we'll put like a variable on it. X. And, and, and when God doesn't give us X, we walk away from God. But all that shows is that we never really loved God. We loved X. And all God was, was a means to X. So what God will do is he will take away X. So that if you stay in the equation, the only way you would be in there is you love him just for being him. So he actually draws you into an intimate relationship by withholding material blessings and, and certain prayers because he wants you to focus on him. Here's how it works in my life as a preacher, as a pastor. Uh, did you ask me for water real quick? Ask me for water. Yes, you can have water. Here we go. Uriah, can you ask me for water real quick? Yes, you can, 100%. Sorry, sorry worship team, don't die. Um, <laughs> Chris, can you ask me for water real quick? You absolutely can have water. There you go. It's great. Can you ask me for water real quick? Yeah. No, you can't. And, and it's nothing personal. I just ran out. Can I tell you what it's like to be a preacher? I know you don't care because you're not a preacher, but I'm going to tell you because I'm preaching and you got to listen. When people find out I'm a preacher, I was at the gym the other day and somebody comes to me and says, hey, ain't you the preacher in my church? I say, yeah. And then he says some things. I'm at the bench press. I'm in between sets. My man's talking about the stuff you wouldn't even tell a police officer, the stuff you wouldn't tell a therapist. And I'm just there like, okay, okay. And you know what he's saying? He's going, and I'm like, bro, I gave it all out on Sunday. I got, I wish I could be, you know, I, sometimes I just don't have it. And this is my world. And I go to the Lord and I go, Lord, can you give me something to give people? Can you give me wisdom? This is my world, whatever your ex is. Do you give me wisdom? Can you give me insight? Can you give me anointing? Because I got to help people. They're asking and I ain't got it. And you know what God says to me so often? No. <laughs> and you know why he says no? Because he wants to get my attention off the sips and onto the source. Most of the time we pray for things, we are praying for the gifts. But when God says no, whew, it's because he's trying to take your eyes off the gift onto the giver. Because when you discover the giver inside the giver, you will find every gift that you need. So when he says no to the sip, it's because he wants me to turn my eyes to him. So I go, fine, that if you're not going to give me anointing, and if you're not going to give me a sermon, and if you're not giving me a preaching, then how about I just worship you? So you know what, Lord? Thank you, because your love never fails. Thank you, because your mercy is new every morning. Thank you, because your peace is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for forgiving me. You forgive me every day of my life. You wipe away my sins. I love you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for power. Thank you for anointing. I just focus on Him. And guess what happens as I begin to focus on Him? All of a sudden, every need gets filled. Every desperation gets answered. And I start to minister out of the overflow of what God is doing in my life. You don't need a cup. You need Christ. You don't need a sip. You need the source. You need Jesus. And if he hasn't given you what you
you prayed for. It's because he's trying to pull you to him. Turn your eyes to him. Lift up your hands. Worship Jesus. Stand on your feet if you're in this building. At all of our campuses, do what he wanted you to do. Give him some praise. Focus on the source. Get rid of your ex. You don't need it. You need Jesus. Come back home. He's got you. He's got you. He's got you. He's got you. you. I want to pray for you. If you feel comfortable, lift your hands if you feel comfortable. Father, you see every hand that's raised right now. God, you took it away so that they could come to you. You took it away so they could come to you. And so we say yes today. Take everything from us you need to take. If it means more of you, you can have it. If it means more of you, you can have it. You can have it. You can have it. If you're in this room and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, keep your head bowed, keep your hands raised in this moment of ministry. I want to speak to you specifically at all of our campuses. You're far from God, but you know what brought you to church today? God's no. Your trial, your suffering, your struggle, that's what brought you here. Don't waste it. Don't waste those pain. Don't waste those tears. If you're ready to come back home to Jesus, on the count of three, raise your right hand. I need to come back home. One, two, I need Jesus in my life. Thank you for taking it away because I wouldn't be at Radiant Church today if you didn't. One, two, three, all over the campus, all over all of our campuses. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. If you raise your hand, even if you didn't, would you pray this prayer out loud with me? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the no. It's why I'm here. And now today, I pick what's better. You're better. Jesus Christ, forgive me for my sins. Prepare me for my future. Be my Lord and my Savior. In your name I pray, amen and amen. Come on, let's put our hands together and welcome those to the family of God. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com. 